Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. What's up? Good morning. Good afternoon. I keep saying good morning because I keep doing these things in the morning. So <laughs> my my first thought is good morning. So, but whenever you listen to this, hello, how you doing? Um, this episode is with uh, Tim Montressor from Tampa Bay Damage. But uh, everybody knows him from all the teams he's played for. He's been an impact on everything. Um, he's been in the industry for a while. He knows what he's talking about. He's a he's a smart guy. Um, grew up playing around him a little bit back when I was on uh, Tipman Effect and, and coming on up into the game. But uh, but I, I, he he's one of those guys too that um, you know I I I knew a good fair amount about him. But um, all the little details that uh, that I wasn't able to find out until you know this podcast was was pretty cool, and and really his status in what he did as far as you know at, for DLX and, and and what he does because he travels all over the place it's crazy, but uh, you know he's one of those guys for the sport that just is nonstop helping the sport out, making it bigger, wanting it to grow, and uh, and has a pretty good mindset on on what he wants to do as far as tournament paintball goes and the direction he'd like it to see it, the direction he would like to see it to go. Um, but before we get into the uh, podcast, like to spon- like to thank our sponsors. Um, thank you to Tar- Charm City Paintball. He has, at uh, over at his Facebook page, Charm City Paintball, he has all kinds of custom head wraps, custom head wraps, um, headbands. He makes 10 or less of each. So it's really a custom run of all of them. They're all hand sewn, uh, by Mike himself. He has all kinds of name brand, uh, fabrics and patterns, real tree. Uh, he has some Gucci left, I believe, but he's, he's in it for, you know, quality and, uh, just making a, a really standout headband and custom stuff too. Like whatever, whatever you can think of, he will definitely try and help you out. Um, you know, he has head wraps that both tie in the back and they're Velcro. So, uh, and he has a bunch of patterns that you can that you can check out. Check out his Facebook at CharmCityPaintball.com. Uh, actually, not .com. It's just a Facebook. He's working on a, a web page. But uh, tell him that Carl over at uh, Playing on Podcast sent you over there um so thank you to him also a big thank you goes to raza paintball uh you can find them at raza life and if you don't know raza by now you're living under a rock because this uh this company has been pulling out all kinds of custom gear custom printed uh shorts jerseys um he has like a like a head wrap protective head wrap he has all kinds of stuff and it's all custom it's all custom he has he has some designs that you can choose from but he also has a team of designers that will help find your perfect logo pattern jersey style whatever you need you can find at razalife.com and if you put in capital tpop at checkout for the discount you'll get 19 percent off so that's pretty cool so thank you to raza uh, and lastly, thank you to Planet Eclipse for producing the best markers on the planet. Yes, 
specifically speaking the LVR because I shoot that butter machine and it's just oh man that um, for me personally I would rather have like a soft shot in and in a, like everybody says oh you know LVs they have like a drop they don't have a drop off it's just the way that you look at it um, the way your eye is positioned on that marker whatever I don't think there's a drop off I think it's a smooth shot I think it's one of the if not the best um, paintball marker that planet has come out with that's arguable because they have so many um, awesome markers over there but uh, but check out the uh, the new LV 1.5 uh, check out the LVR as well as the CS 1.5 so thank you to planet Eclipse all right enough of my jabbering guys uh, and ladies <laughs> uh, here is the uh, podcast with Tim Montressor. Enjoy. <laughs> All right. All right, dude. I'm I'm happy to finally find you at home, not traveling. We can talk because every time I try and get you on this damn thing, it's always, well, it's got to be like within two days because... I'm on an airplane to this place, to that place, this place. You're you're everywhere. Yeah, paintball keeps me busy, that's for sure. Between all the teams and work and everything else, stay on the grind. What it is? What is it exactly that you do? Um, I do brand development for GOG, Shocker Paintball, and DLX Technology. So that encompasses sales, a little bit of marketing. Uh, I've been specializing a lot in international distribution now, so in the third third tier markets like Asia, South America, Canada. So it keeps me pretty busy. So uh, what is? So it's a little bit of everything, kind of a. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. I first started there, so I finished my master's degree, and uh, I went back there to do sales and to help launch the enemy, which is our mechanical gun, like our entry level gun. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of developed into more and more and more. So I got more involved with DLX, and then we do a lot of stuff with the Shocker Paintball. So it just kind of got me involved with that. So I, I was no longer just exclusive to just sales, um, you know, marketing, promos, sponsorship, everything that goes into the brand. I do a little bit of that. Yeah. So I mean, tech. I'm the worst tech. I, I don't. I, I'm horrible tech. <laughs> Except actually, the paintball marker itself. Yeah, that, that's not good. So I mean, is this eventually what you wanted to do besides playing uh, the game? Is get into the sport as far as a uh, company goes? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it just kind of fell into my lap. Yeah. So it just kept evolving and evolving and evolving. And the reality is that to play at a high level, you have to have something subsidizing the industry. I mean, you know how it is, right? I mean, it's hard for you to get time off with right. a real job. Um, and for me, I want to pursue it in regards to going internationally, going to Europe, going to Mexico, going to South right. America, you know, whatever. So, and the only way to do that is to work in the industry. But I, I like working for, for the gardeners. They've always treated me well. So I actually wake up every day and like to go to my job. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the goal eventually of every, you know, job there or career that somebody has is waking up and have it not feel like okay. a job. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 nice to go in and, and like what you do. I mean, I know so many people that just wake up every day and then that rat race. Yeah, and that sounds horrible. No, it's 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 terrible. Like like I I enjoy my job and what I'm doing. I, I like getting my hands dirty. Dirty. I like fixing things. I like you know taking things apart and putting them back together. But at the end of the day, you know, doing something like this or playing paintball or or growing the sport or being involved in the sport. That is what I feel like my true, I don't know, calling, I guess you could you could say, but I feel like that's what I should be doing. 
Right. But that's not yeah. what's paying my bills. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's harder because I mean, you have a family now, so you know, mm-hmm. kudos to you for doing that. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't have that. And uh, you know, maybe I'd make different decisions if I did. Right. But you know, right now I wake up every day and I can do what I like, so I might as well enjoy it. Well, yeah, you're still. I mean, how old are you now? Like thirty. Oh, I'm not young. I'm thirty-three. That's you thought. Dude, what, I, that's, you thirty. I'm 31, so you're not that far away from me. You're pretty much dead too, dude. You're pretty much one foot in the grave. (laughs) That's all right. I feel good though. That's what matters. That's what matters. Waking up feeling good is what matters. Some (laughs) days get harder and harder. You wake up and things hurt a little more. I have, I've definitely noticed, like I've been eating healthier, like I've I've always been at least conscious of what I'm eating and what I'm putting into my body, but I, I definitely feel at least taking a day or so more just to recover from like a tournament or anything like that. Like going back to work on Mondays, it's terrible. It oh, sucks yeah. so bad. The lower back, the knees, <laughs> my stuff. higher body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, especially playing the position that I play. Like, oh, yeah. And no, no, taking nothing away from you, but I feel like I do a little oh, bit more fun. diving than you. Yeah, there's no way. Like, there was a time when I used to just be that guy. And then there was, I thought about it. I go, it's so hard to stay long. I have some longevity in the game playing that spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you think about a you. Uh, Thomas, um, that's all I got right now. I would say all the, <laughs> name any of the guys over thirty that are playing that that spot. It's like, yeah, that's so it. Tough. I, mean, I can't really think of many. Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how I'm still doing it. I don't know how I'm still doing it and haven't really, you know, knock on wood, like injured myself, you know, during a match or like a practice or doing the shit that you have to do to play that position or even dude even back spots like running out to and shooting out to a corner and diving into a corner i mean that's shit that's nothing that's nothing compared to like when you guys are running i i mean i used to do it 10 12 years ago and then i woke up one day and i was like this sucks it was fun and the team needs it but dude it's the turnover on those positions is high yeah and i i think for for me like I feel like I could, you know, step back and be like, "Hey, one of you young shits can step in, start playing this spot a little bit more." But for me, like, it's still, it's still really fun and really challenging yeah. for me, and my body can still semi somewhat do it. So I feel like until I don't want to say like until an injury, you know, curbs me or anything like that, but I just feel like until I I, don't, I feel like I'm not effective anymore is when I'll mm-hmm. maybe take a step back to a two or you know. Yeah the fucking corner or something like that and not move anywhere <laughs> right i hear you yeah i mean i guess it kind of all depends to where the game uh, heads i mean right. it's it's it actually has slowed down in my opinion in the last four or five years so you think i mean not just with the um the balls per second but you think the format itself x ball itself has kind of slowed the game down yeah i mean this actually starts the whole spiel that, that actually kind of gets me head in a different direction but yeah the whole game's become stagnant i mean if you look at all the teams that win consistently most of them win by playing that short game that, that what do they call it they call the pocket or whatever the pocket, yeah yeah i mean that's what consistently wins the tournaments yeah you got to gamble once in a while to the corner or to the snake or the 50 drill randomly but mm-hmm. the reality is that the game is won by playing inside but you know what i feel like doesn't help though is that they keep putting out these fields and i don't know you know nothing against well, I guess kind of something against of whoever's making the fields, but if you keep putting a back center and then, you know, a tower and an Aztec, you know, 30 feet from the start box, it's always going to be that way until you start, you know, spreading those those initial mm-hmm. primary bunkers away from that back center. I feel like it's always going to be like that. Yeah, I mean, there's that's a catch-22, right? Because when you do that... Um... Remember MAO in 2014 at OXDC in Maryland where it, was, it poured, it was super muddy. I think I think Dynasty ended up winning the event. 
Uh, it was. It was. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, I think so. there was a tower in the back center, and then a huge gap on the Dorito side, and yeah. then there was a tower on the Snake side, and that was it. And everybody put two guys in the back center, two guys in the tower on the Snake side, right. and one guy up the middle because you couldn't go anywhere. So it just becomes down to risk versus reward, and it's just a byproduct of the environment of the game. Like the reality is that if we went back to using the 2003 layouts now, now that we're all a little bit smarter, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would run anywhere. There'd be five guys in the back center. That'd be no so, fun. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's just the game. I mean, I'm not really sure what they can do to the game because adding the wall, adding all these bunkers at least gives you the chance to make some moves, but the teams that win are the ones that actually play low risk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see see both sides of that though, right? I I mean, would you consider a guy going up to the wall every single point, would you consider that low risk or high risk? I consider it low risk because statistically you're better to go to the wall and at worst case scenario you trade. So assuming you can make it, um, you're better off going there and then you trade and then you're four on four. And then under the, let's say, let's say you go there a hundred percent of the time, the other team goes 50% of the time and you're making it. Then there's 50% of the time that you're in the wall in the most dominant bunker in the field with nobody contesting you. And then if they go up there 50% of the time, then you trade, yeah. right? So then you're four on four. So, you know, that's at least my theory on it. Do you think they're going to keep that thing? Probably not. I mean, I, I would think that they have to eventually make some changes. You, you, the, the game, if they do it a third year, the games play out the same. No matter where they put the bunkers, because this thing's huge, the games are all going to be the same. So I, I think you have to change something that big every probably 24 months to keep the game fresh. No, I would agree with that. Uh, just like you said, to keep it fresh and to keep everybody on the toes, because definitely introducing it has changed the game, hands down, I, I feel. Um, I think something else, I forget who I was talking to about it, but I feel like even maybe enlarging the field a little bit could you know, make some kind of dramatic change in the game with everything so narrow. I think that also contributes to that whole pocket play. Yeah, well, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, that was the difference between seven-man and, and the five-man that we play now, and it, it's not necessarily the two extra guys, right? The seven-man fields were 180 mm-hmm. uh, by 100, so you could make the corners pretty easily versus we're at 150 by 120. So that, that you know, square footage makes a pretty big difference in making your spots. I think that would be a decent-sized field, a seven-man field, and even playing five-man on it. I miss I miss seven-man seven so much. I think it was so – it just brought out that – instinctual play of all the really great players i feel yeah yeah no i agree i mean i think we lost something as a game when seven men ended do you think uh the future of paintball is this format as far as 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 far as you know people watching the sport and not really knowing much about it do you think that this is the format that brings us to the next level or you know on tv not not necessarily on tv but attracts more of the outside See, this is this is actually always a. Uh, this can be a tough question for me because I'm conflicted in a lot of different ways, right? I have to be careful what I say, right. because right. working in the industry, playing on teams, you know, having involvement, whatever the growth of paintball, you know, you don't want to be super negative. I did a podcast with CNN. I almost came off too negative, and it wasn't meant to be that way. But the reality is that I think that what we do now actually hinders our growth. Right. It, it's hard to say oh, it's bad because at the NXL level, there's growth. I mean, there's what, 230 teams for Chicago. Mm-hmm. So at least on the national level, we're getting some growth. But the reality is that it'll never that won't be on TV. I mean, they put millions of dollars into it before and it's just repetitive. Right. I mean, if you have known nothing about paintball, right, what got me into paintball was when I watched, I think it was 96, 97. 
they had it on ESPN, but it was in the woods. Right. Right. And I saw that and I go, oh shit, that's something I want to do, something I like to do. But kids watch this and like this guy just runs five feet to his bunker, shoots a bounce shot, then everyone's dead. And that's mm-hmm. more or less what we do. And it doesn't look fun to the outsiders. See, but and, and like kids growing up now who don't know woods ball and only know this tournament side of the game, who grow up on this side of the game, um, I feel like they understand it, and 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 I think that some people um, coming up in the game, I think that is fun to them, and that's what attracted mm-hmm. them. And I, I'm, like I'm trying to find that area of where I I don't think reverting back to the woods, even though it's fun as shit to us, you know, because that's we we had some kind of beginning in that era. But I I feel like we have to kind of start finding that attractiveness to the game because it's going to be repetitive look at hockey look at football look at you know all these other sports it's very repetitive it's you know football for sure you know you have these different plays but everybody's doing the same thing they're hiking the ball at on you know at this line doing this doing that touchdown whatever i think something has to be repetitive to have some kind of attraction from somebody right but 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 it's like I see where you're going. I see where you're going with that, and my argument to that, because I've had plenty of these in some of these meetings with a lot of different people. My argument to that with television is the fact that one, the four major sports all have one focal point, right? So whether it's the the basketball, the football, the hockey puck, or, or the baseball, right? There's one single focal point which makes it easy to follow. In paintball, there's not, right? There's millions of paintballs and five on five and all this crazy stuff and there's a, a car crash and you have no idea how that happened all of a sudden people are just walking off right mm-hmm. or conversely you look at motocross and nascar which is nascar is actually one of the most watched sports in the country there's also just one focal point the leader you don't watch the losers you don't watch the guys at the end no one gives a shit right yeah. so there's a single focal point which we can't really create paintball because it's just such a dynamic game so my argument against that is the fact that as an industry, we have to stop worrying about television, right? We tried it, I mean, Dick Clark came in, um, ESPN came in, and it didn't work. I'm not saying it failed, right? It just never took off, right? Fox Sports came in for a while too, right? They put a bunch of money into it. But at the end of the day, stop concerning yourself with television and start concerning yourself with conversion rates or the opportunity to present the game to more people to play, right? And then let's say if we had 10 times the amount of people that play this now, then the numbers on what's television will be reflective of that, right? So the only people that are going to probably watch paintball consistently now are those that play, and the demographics just aren't enough. Right. Well, I wouldn't even say television. I would say maybe somehow do a uh, YouTube live webcast or something like that, even direct it more towards the Internet. And, right. But it's always – I mean we're always trying to find that that next step to make the sport bigger, grow – to you know, have some kind of impact where outside sponsors or whoever wants to grow the sport, because it's 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 really what we want to do with it. Because right. because you know your involvement in the sport or even in the industry is that you used to be a player and now you're in the industry, just like a lot of the guys who are running these companies. Um, I think I'm I think I'm still trying to be a player, at least pretending. No, you're still out there making it happen, man. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, I know what you mean. Yeah, you have. You have a player's instinct, uh, you know, and you want to see the sport do well, and you, and you came from that. So I, I just don't want to see it, you know, fall away from being fun anymore. Right. And yeah, uh, I, and and I think the the thing that that concerns us, right, in, as in regards to the industry, is 
what really ended seven man wasn't a lack of participation let's be honest I mean, at one point they were the kings right i remember going to Huntington beach i mean that crazy place huge. was crazy yeah what happened was that the industry couldn't at the time they could but they decided they didn't want to support two series right so you take all the platinum sponsors you take all the professional sponsors and you consolidate them and at the time everybody was had ownership into the psp right the mppl was in it was privately owned by WDP and, and uh, what are you called? Uh, Pure Promotions. Mm -hmm. So you know they were they were going solo when they went bankrupt after Buffalo in 08, I think it was. Yeah. The industry was just like, hey, we can't support two, so we're going to choose the one that we own, and that's how X Ball really survived. Because in the reality, Seven Man was probably 50-50 in regards to the industry. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like the players stopped playing it. The industry just had to choose one to go. So with that being said, I mean the, the shifts. In regards to what we play, it happened really fast. I mean, we've been saying X ball is just this thing that we've are so tied to. But you didn't grow up playing X ball. I remember that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You grew up playing ten man, and then there was just one day when you woke up and it was gone. I never so, played a ten man tournament though. Right, but you know, I mean, you grew up at Toledo Indoor when ten man was right. the, the thing, right? When Colby's out there playing Bad Company and mm -hmm. AfterShock and Farsight would come. Ten man was the king, and that's where you wanted to be because that was the pinnacle of it. Right, and. The reality is that I'm a firm believer that what is relevant is what the industry decides to make relevant. If tomorrow X-Ball ended, yeah, there'd be a hit. I mean, I'm not advocating for that, right? X-Ball is huge. It should continue to grow and it's whatever, whatever. But it happens that fast and it's just because that's what we put value to. Paintball is inherently fun, right? Mm. It's just which version can create the most growth to the most demographics. That's, I but guess it's that's all experimental hope. though, right? I mean, every, um, it, it, uh, and we don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work until no. we try it. That, that's true. You're right. Um, so that's why we have to try something else. <laughs> that's right, my right, own right, argument. Right. And, and I think the NXL should do what they're doing. I think they're doing awesome, right? Tom is killing it. I mean, at Atlantic City was probably one of the best events not called World Cup I've been to in 15 years. I mean, Atlantic City was awesome, right? I mean, what, they have 230 teams? And It would have been so much more fun if we played Sunday. You guys played good, too. What happened? Dude! Well, if, we wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have fucking stepped on my dick against you guys and... You know, if we would have, you know, didn't step on our dicks against Uprising, we would have been playing on Sunday. Mm. Like, it's cause, because our game against you guys was fucking head-to-toe-to-toe, -to -head, -to -toe, like, the entire oh. time. And then the overtime point, it just went to shit. I, I mean, I really thought... I thought you guys had it. I, honestly, Dude. I swear to God, I look over and we lost a couple bodies and I came into the pit and I looked out there and stupid Joe Barrett uh, is out there. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> not taking anything away from Joe, but it was like a two on one. And uh, I was like, okay, we're done. We got to start thinking about the next game. And then all of a sudden he's running in and hanging and pushing the buzzer. And I was like, geez. Yeah. Well, <laughs> dude, it's well, cause when, when LJ ran him down, I thought that cause I saw the ref kind of run around. I thought he shot him. I thought they shot each other. And then I kind of was like looking and I didn't really see him. So I tried to just run behind a bunker quick and like his first ball just hit me in the chest. I'm like, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Because I, did you know I was in that little, uh, that little like cake or what the hell was I in? I was like in the 50 snake. Cause you were in yeah, the corner. Yeah. yeah I remember you and him shooting. Yeah. Fuck dude. I like, yeah, uh, yeah that's the way she goes. Right. <laughs> well, well, I didn't get to watch you. I didn't get to watch you guys throughout, but, um, what did you guys change or did you change anything to be able to make it to uh, um, Sunday or even second place? For that yeah. Moment? You know, I mean like we're, we're not slow starters, but sometimes we got to put some stuff together, right? What you do in practice isn't the same. 
I mean, you feel like, okay, this is going to work in practice. I can make these spots. This guy's playing good. This guy's playing bad. And when you go to tournaments, dude, it's all wide open. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been times when I go to tournaments and I'm like, man, I'm playing so sweet practice. I play shit at the tournament (laughs) and vice versa. I play shit practice. I go to the tournament. I actually have a good event. So, you know, we just had to put two and two together just in regards to the personnel who plays where, which, which zones we're covering. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. We actually made some drastic changes that probably didn't look like a lot, but to us, they were, they were big. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, <clears throat> while we're talking about that, because I know we kind of went off on a little tangent, um, but I want to I want to kind of start back where kind of where you came from and how you found paintball and, um, you know, your beginnings uh, around what year and how old were you when you first discovered and how did you discover paintball? Mm-hmm. I started playing probably around ninety nine. Right, which sounds like a long time ago, but so yes. it was around '99. I started playing. I used to live in Georgia, and I would drive over to Dothan, Alabama, Georgia? to paintball. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why. That's where I was. I was living for a long time. That's how I got into the game. And then when I was maybe around like 15, right before I turned 16, we moved to Detroit. So and that's when it took off for me. So then I started. I met Fatty's brother. Right, remember Fatty? Mm-hmm. Right, Fatty with us on the All Americans and Infamous and whatever. I met his brother. We had a chemistry class together in high school, and I look over and this idiot's wearing a JT jersey in class. Right, I did that. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, of course, I could totally do that with you. <laughs> Grow up, you happened, dude. I should be wearing one right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I look over. I was like, dude, you play paintball? And he's like, yeah, man. And uh, so we ended up hanging out together, and he got me a job at Future Ball. And uh, oh, nice. So I was like, okay, I want to make some money. And I was playing, but not that much. So then when I started working there, I got really into it. Then I met uh, Steve's brother, Fatty. And then we just made our own team and just took off from there. So uh, when you met Fatty, like, were you still, did you not know about tournament paintball? Or was it just kind of still in the, in the woods? Um, so, or? yeah, like, we were playing, like, scenario games and, and walk-on. And we knew their tournaments. But, like, growing up in Michigan, actually, in – like around the Ann Arbor, Detroit area, there weren't that many tournaments, right? You actually had to go to more like to Colors or uh, like out to Kalamazoo. So there weren't that many tournaments. And then at Future Ball, uh, he started getting into the NAPSA tournaments, right? Which are like a big tournament in the Midwest that Farside used to win. Mm-hmm. So he, so James hosted one at Future Ball just randomly out of the blue. And I was like, sure, we'll give it a try. And we went there and I think they had a three-man. It was me, Dago Nick. Remember Dago yeah, Nick? yeah. Fatty and we got whitewashed, dude. It was awful. <laughs> like, just I don't know if we shot a dude all day, but it was so much fun that then we're like, okay, you know, maybe this is something we can get into, right? Because I grew up playing sports, so if you're not playing to win, you know, paintball, just playing walk on was only gonna last me so long. What'd you play growing up? Uh, football, baseball, rugby. And what was so your favorite I, before paintball? Uh, I, you know, I liked football because growing up, I was way bigger than every kid. I was probably almost the same size now as I was when I was 13. Really? Yeah, I mean, I was huge. And then when I got my freshman year of high school, I was not big anymore. And then all those kids that I was beating up in, in eighth, seventh, eighth grade were beating me up. And I was yeah. like, okay, this isn't going to work out for me anymore. <laughs> so, you know, but that competitive drive actually is what kind of drove me in paintball because I found out, you know, you, there's winners and losers and there's tournaments and there's money mm-hmm. and there's divisions you can rank up in. Yeah. So so after you guys you kind of got you know shit stomped, where did did that just drive you into wanting to to get better yeah. at the tournament scene? So we had this local team around Michigan called Mayhem, and we sucked. Like we're really bad. And at the time, the guys that used to beat the sh- so it, Michigan was funny, right? I mean, you grew up there. There's always one team, pretty much one group of guys that won everything within mm-hmm. like a three hour radius. And mm-hmm. when I grew up, it was Jason Trozen. 
yeah. Grant Butler, Matt Page, right? Dude, They're Grant was Colts. sick. Dude, he was, and he was like 15, and he was him, Matt, and Jason would win every tournament in a three-hour radius, right? Three mans, five mans, they pick up two random dudes, and they just clean house, and they probably mm-hmm. win two years, probably won like 15 tournaments, Jesus. and. So then they they kept winning all these tournaments at Toledo Indoor, right? So then yeah. Eric Garbers said, hey, we need some more players to tip in effect. And they, he picked up all three of them. And so then they didn't have the time to play the local scenes. So me and Fatty were getting better. We're like, all right, now it's our time, dude. <laughs> Filling in, yeah. yeah. We started playing and we started doing pretty good. And then Jason called us and said, hey, you know, we need some more younger guys that have some drive to be to be better because tip and effect was pretty good, but there are older guys right. and it wasn't like every tournament you go to, you're not going to practice every week. It was when you could. So and Jason wanted to change that dynamic. So we ended up going there and, uh, we played with like Matt or actually Matt might've gotten a fusion, but it was Grant, Jason, me, fatty, and a bunch of other younger kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that kind of got everything going where it was like, you get sponsored. I could play paintball whenever I wanted. Tipman was helping us out. And, uh, you know, then I started playing all the local tournaments around Michigan. And then it was like our turn. Then there was a run where it was me, Fatty, Cody Smick, mm-hmm. um, and Craig Bowen. Do you remember Craig Bowen? That sounds Craig. really familiar. Yeah, so the four of us pretty much played tournaments every week around in Michigan. I paid for, like, my way to get through college at first. And we were winning the guns every weekend. Yeah. So, and, and, that, and that was a pretty cool opportunity. And that's really what put me to say, you know what, fuck it. This is what I want to do. So how long did you play on Tipman for? Just one year. So I got on the team in uh, January of 2002 uh, when I was in high school. And we played Vegas. No, we went to L.A. And, and we did okay. I think we maybe went 4-4, four and four, but we missed a cut. And then half the team got quit quit or got cut before Vegas. And we went 0-8 in Vegas, which was horrible, dude. And I thought about leaving the team. But then Eric said, hey, you know, what do you guys think we should do? And they ended up finding Drew Heyer and Cody Smick, mm-hmm. who, you know, at the time, bringing in a kid, I mean, they were probably only 14, 15. Something like, they were like really young, yeah. And so bringing them in was cool, though, because they were super excited to play. So it said, you know, I'm going to finish the year out. And then we started getting better. And what set us off is we won the IAO. So yeah. we won. We, we won. We took second in the five-man. That was when Brimstone won the $50,000 with the Spiders. Jesus. Which, yeah, I don't know. I, I still think we won it. Whatever. <laughs> all here there but we won the seven man and i don't think we lost a game the whole seven man yeah and so then that really put the team on the map and then you know drax has stepped up and started sponsoring us and Tim had put way more money in mm-hmm. and uh that was right around the time when x-ball was shown so x-ball was shown at that event the nation's cup at ieo <clears throat> and i saw that and i go fuck that's what i want to do right yeah it was so sweet like yeah watch john richardson and lasoya and shit and they're just running through every point and i go that's what i want to do and so I thought about I was going to try out for Fusion at the end of the year, right? That was kind of the, the, the way it went in Michigan. You were on Tip and Effect, and then if you made it, you got to try out for, for some, like, Fusion. Yeah. So Did I was we play try- together on Tipman? Nope. You came right whenever I had left. So the, 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 I'll get there in a second. So <laughs> so I went, I went to go try out for Fusion, but then Fusion was merging with Lockout. They were either going to yeah. merge with Lockout to make a 10-man team, and then X-Ball happened and Crossman stepped up. And so Mark Worrell said, hey, come try out. And uh, – you know, be part of the Michigan half of the team that joins the lockout, and I ended up making it. So then I left, but uh, right before I left, I called Eric, and I said, hey, we need to kind of make the sponsorship a little bit better for the team. We need to be able to play the PSP and the MPP all the time if we're ever going to be good. Mm-hmm. And so he called Tipman, and I actually drove down to Tipman with Garbers at the time, and they, they bumped up the sponsorship a good bit. And then I left the team. I kind of knew I was going to be the team. Right, yeah. but I was like the one that was putting it all together, and my friends were still on the team. Right, so I was like, "Fuck, I, I don't want to leave and just leave you guys. I want to try to help you out." 
So then I ended up leaving, and then Fatty was still on the team. And that was when you guys came, and like Brandon Showers came, and Dago Nick came, and the team split in half though, like this. Mm-hmm. And some guys went to the PSP, which was your guys' half, which was yeah. that yellow jersey you have right there. Yeah, Tim and that, X. Yeah. So the first event in LA, you guys all played together. I don't know if you were in that LA event, mm-hmm. but it's like Gersky from Brimstone, and all those guys played together. And then it was kind of like there was like 30 dudes. So Eric just split the team in half, more or less, with the OGs, and then the kids went this way. Yeah. So that's kind of how that went. Yeah, because I remember playing uh, an IAO, and I don't know if it was the 2003 one, and that's because because I played the I played the seven man one where it wasn't with all the kids that I was playing with. You played in '03 with Nick, and you guys won the trip to Aruba, right? Yes, but I couldn't go. I couldn't oh, go to Aruba, man. so I never even. Got, yeah, I never. Yeah, I, even I was there because I was helping coach you guys, and I remember you had that stupid tiger stripe orange <laughs> tipment, right? And I remember I was like, man, this guy I still really have that. Really? Yeah. That's sweet, dude. I had mine. Mine was sweet. It was all covered in stickers and shit. Yeah. And I gave it to Tom Phineas whenever I went pro. Tom just got on the team, and he's like, we worked together at Future Ball. And I said, here, like, here's like your little party gift, this dog shit little gun that I got. <laughs> Did you ever do anything so. to it? Because I always kept mine manual. Yo, oh, yeah. Manual was the way to go. The problem was the electronic kit back then was a gas hog, right? So you're mm-hmm. getting like two pods off of it. But what we'd do is we'd take them, we'd open them up, and you you get like an aluminum polish, and polish it up inside. And you you sand off the hammer a little bit, smooth out the sear. Yeah, smooth, and, that's and, what I smoothing out the sear was my big thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we put like a pen spring in there, but I mean it was still done. Yeah, no, it was. I whenever I played for the most part until I played seven man with lockout when those guys came down, like like Chad Rule and all those guys when they came down is when I put the e bolt kit and I threw a halo on the dude. The thing was so heavy, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous, dude. It was I so had much this- fun. I had the sweetest thing though. So the A5 came out at Memphis right before I left the team. So I Memphis. I never liked them, dude. I never liked the A5. I, I did neither. So, but what I did is they they made the A5 and we got it at Memphis indoor in like November, right after the World Cup, mm-hmm. and it was ridiculous. But I had that that can on the thing, right, which was cool for snare games, but you couldn't yeah. play a tournament. Come mm-hmm. out right, everything getting ripped on it. So I had a new machinist, and I had them like JB weld all the side of it, and they put a vertical feed on it. <laughs> and that was when the halo was still pretty new. Yeah. And so I just set it to 10 balls a second, semi-auto, with this halo, and I never chopped a ball. And it yeah. was so fast. But then I quit the team, so it didn't matter. <laughs> and I gave, I gave it to Ryan Dazette. That that uh that Ebolt one that I used in 7-man, and I had a halo on, I still had the right feed and everything in it. Dude, it never chopped a ball. It shot great. was loud as shit. But, uh, shoot like two pods. <sighs> I, didn't, I still pod. don't even shoot that much paint anyway, so it's like... That's true. That's fair enough. <laughs> I used to play uh, the, the corner of Ted Man, so I was like 70 years old, and I go out the corner with like 14 pots. Oh my god! Like your armor cramp up like this. There's there's almost no shooting left handed. It was just like this. <laughs> yeah, dude, those those are some of the best days, though, man. Looking back on it, like I had so much fun, even though like we didn't do that good, but we did have some like some shining moments while, yeah. when I was on the team. It was it was just that feeling of being at tournaments and everything because now. It's still fun going to tournaments, but now there's just so much other bullshit that you have to do that you're obligated to, and you got to be with the team. You got to do this. Back then, it was so laid back, but it was still. I mean, at least I took it pretty serious, but I had so much fun. Yeah, see, that kind of brings up my discussion of is the game was the game more fun then? Because granted, I know we're playing X-Ball, but the, the X-Ball teams were just really bad, right? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. the talent level then is nothing what it is now. So, was it more fun because it was? everybody participated right even though you weren't a good player yet right you wouldn't become a really good player but at the time you probably weren't i mean i wasn't when i was on tip no but 
because the game was what it was, we were, we we're having a better experience in regards to the game of playing. Whereas now everyone's so good, the game is so competitive, it becomes just about the competition, which I'm okay with, right? I mean, I'm a competitor, you're a competitor at this point in your life. Mm-hmm. But for all those kids coming, are they having as much fun? I don't know. You know, I remember going to Vegas with Fatty, we're 17, right? And we're out there by ourselves until garbage came. We're out there for two days before these guys showed up. <laughs> and we're like trying to sneak into the bars in Vegas, and like yeah. trying to get bums to buy us 40s on the corner. And, <laughs> And like that's how we played the event, and it was yeah. so much fun that I wonder. Not that I'm advocating advocating underage drinking, it was just like the things we did mm-hmm. were fun. And I wonder if kids are having that much fun playing now, or if it's just all serious all the time. That's a good question because I feel like it. It definitely is, you know, uh, a lot more competitive now. Um, yeah. You know, I've I've always taken it very competitive, but as far as a team goes, a, the the teams now are so much more competitive. You you see them just you know, walking around with each other, watching games together. And they're just, yeah. I mean, obviously they have a good time, but just all the meetings and this and that, like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like and that it, back then. It, you know, here's my thing too, is I, I, I'm conflicted, right? Because I want it to be a sport because that's what I like. But the reality right. is we tried to make it a sport. It didn't work on TV. So maybe we should just make it fun. I don't know. I could go either way. Right. But I, in, in that same Vegas event, I watched Lasoya and Lasoya was by far, I think, growing up probably the best player mm. until all came along. Right? Lasoya was, was nasty, it's unreal. And I watched him come back from the club and bar at 6 a.m., <laughs> go upstairs, grab his gear bag, go right to the field, and pull out three ridiculous games in Vegas. And that was the stuff that just happened back then. Yeah, it was just 10, and that was just the game. And you know, the whole experience as a whole was awesome. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I'm kind of jaded but maybe that's just part of being pro now i don't know well one thing i re- there was one event i remember it was san diego uh i think 2005 or two yeah. it was either 2004 or 2005 and it was uh when excessive was still fairly new and it was the yeah. seven man there and i remember excessive they got beat by it was like a throw together team i think of like I think Billy Wing was playing for them, and then yeah, Mr. The U. men that was 04. Yeah, yeah, the men. The men and they won. But they weren't they completely trashed, yeah. and they still won. Yeah. And they won. I couldn't believe when they won. They played awesome. But so that's what I mean. Like, and I'm not saying, oh, we need to go out and get drunk and party. But like, right. the whole experience has shifted, right? It used to be you went to the national tournaments. It was this whole thing, dude. It was traveling there and going out, seeing the city, and going out and partying with your friends, and then going to play paintball. And right back then, they used to have after parties and players parties. And dude, stuff. I miss those so much. Yeah, I mean, they still have them in Asia and Europe, which is awesome. But yeah. like here, it's all business all the time. Like D five teams are out there six a.m. to seven p.m. and it's like, is that what the game should be? And I don't know. That's where I'm saying I'm conflicted. I don't know what the right answer is. I mean, because you almost have to compare it, though, to, like, the baseball and the football and all that of, of high school and even grade school because those kids, I mean, the, the competitive ones, I'm, at least I remember, like, football and baseball, if I want to be competitive and I want to be good, I had to put the work in. I had to go to right. practice, get yelled at, you know, make the mistakes. And, and, right. and it, it wasn't always fun. Uh, but it's like you're saying is, you know, the, the game of today and the tournaments of today were definitely nothing – nothing what they were back then because and 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 that's one reason why i did that tournament pittsburgh the iron city classic because i was like you know while some people still listen to what i have to say because probably down 10 years now people are like that guy's washed up i don't give a shit what he has to say i I feel bad that i missed it that's how much (laughs) right and that's what i mean like i wanted to create something that was like this little snapshot 
of what paintball was to me growing up, right? right. We're drinking beers at the field, not while playing, but afterwards, you know, everyone's having beers and mm-hmm. bullshitting. And, and it was how I remember paintball. And that was my motivation for it. Is I was like, I remember the first 10 man I went to in 2000 Chicago and I saw the experience that just took me over. And I was like, I love it. Right. And that's kind of what I want to present to people because I think that is what happens from that format, right? Everyone just is a little bit more laid back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same, and I think that's what was that was kind of the mentality and the feeling at the seven man events. It was it was very laid back. It was a little bit more on the slow side, but it still gave you time to not just I don't I want to say bullshit, but it gave you time to focus and to really kind of hone in. And I feel like have that really team com- camaraderie, and you know have that's, that time. I, I like going back to your little tent in your pit, right, with your little army yep. of dudes, and you sit there with a map and you discuss it for twenty minutes, and then you talk about what you're going to do later tomorrow night or what you did last night, and yep. talk about the next game after that. And I was like, that was hanging out with your team was part of it and the game that we have sometimes gets away from that right i mean it's not as much of a team game as an individual game in regards to one-on-one battles and you don't have as much strategy in regards to where you go right there's only two bunkers to go to you're either going short or going long yeah uh, so i don't know i mean i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for x ball i probably wouldn't no one would care what i would say because i would have been some has been 10-man player but what is the reason here? yeah i just worry that maybe x ball is is just ruining the whole experience of what paintball was meant to be yeah i i no, i agree with that um so i think there's a place for all i again that's one thing is like people are like oh you're you're anti x-ball nxl no i love the nxl i love x-ball i think it should grow i hope they have 500 teams in world cup mm-hmm. but i just think that the industry the players the supporters everything that is paintball should start getting behind something else that can fill that void that's left behind do you think that's just us being in the sport as long as we have and now not having that, that awe experience every time we go to an event? Or do you think kids are still having that now? I, I put up a post on my Facebook like two weeks ago and I asked that same question. I was like, I hope that kids are having that much fun. And I don't know, man. I don't know what it is because I remember seeing like – I remember like when you were growing up and with Farkas and stuff and you guys were running around the tournaments having like the time of your life. Mm-hmm. And I don't see kids doing that as much, right? They go there, they walk the fields, they scout the games, get in the, their rental car, they go home, they go to bed, they wake up, they do it again. Right. What's the longevity of paintball if that's what it is, right? We're not going to be on TV anytime soon. Maybe one day we will, but these kids aren't practicing to go to get college scholarships and make a million dollars. It should just be fun as hell, and that's what paintball is supposed to be. And So I don't know. I, I just don't see – like Atlantic City was by – I guess that's before we got where we were at. I was saying Atlantic City was awesome. That was one of the best events, mm-hmm. right? From business, from the team, it was awesome. Yeah. And I just, I remember walking around and I'm like, man, everybody just seems so focused in a good way, right? You're focused on what you're doing, but you're almost forgetting about why you're really there. Yeah. What made it so much? What, what do you think made it so much different, though? Because I mean, it, it had a, it had a vendor area like all the other events. It had, you know, the fields like all the other events had the same teams. Like, what do you think made it so different? I mean, I think I have to give a lot of credit to Tom and his brother and Camille. I mean, I think Tom is really in sync with the players. Mm-hmm. So little, little silly things like having that bar, right? There's a big bar in the middle, yeah. right? The vendors were set up in that big circle. So there's kind of like this tight knit community. Um, just the way the fields were set up, um, just the, 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 the logistics of the whole event were good. The weather was good. And I think they're doing their best to mimic Europe. I don't think we can copy Europe in regards to, this, the social dynamic, right? In Europe, everyone's just having a blast. 
Right. But the logistics, the NXL is doing a good job of copying, which I give them kudos for because, you know, whatever the Millennium did right or wrong, the one thing they did do well is their logistics. Right. So that carries a long way, you know, like, and, and this is a prime example, right? There was a, a couple X-Ball events a while ago where you'd walk from the tent or you'd walk from the parking lot, walk right to your field, turn right back out and you never passed the vendor, you never passed another field, you could never pass another body if you didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't part of the experience where it's like you walk by and you bullshit with somebody, you stop and you have a beer, like you go to the vendor tents, that's part of the whole paintball experience to me. Yeah. And I think that's made Atlantic City really good. Like Tom's brother Tyler does an awesome job with the logistics and it's little things like these that now I see more and more that make a huge difference. Do you I, I can't remember if uh, they have it or not, but do you think they should there should be some kind of like little inflatable field that's netted where you could where people walking by or just coming to the events could try to play paintball? Yeah, I mean it's it's a good idea. I mean, I, I, they've tried doing that before. Like the MPPL tried doing it. They do it in one M. The problem is that most people just go, okay, that's cool. I'll go to my local field and try it. So, right, right they don't have the sh- their clothes with them or want to wear some dirty old rental goggles. Um, I mean, the more things that we do to expose the average person, yes. I, I don't think that the national level tournaments are getting the casual walkthrough people. Um, yeah. like some guy off the street. I mean, there's probably a couple hundred of them, which really isn't that many, right? I mean, no. look at SC Village. They run like a couple thousand people a day. So, you know, what what you do at the national level tournament is 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 not focused on that. It's providing the best experience to the people that have made that last level progression to the national tournaments. Do you do you start having tournaments at these bigger fields that have a lot of traffic like that? Um. Yeah, but I guess that goes back to my whole thing about why I did the Iron City Classic. Here's here's my whole spiel. I'll try to make it quick. No, it's all right. That, we, I, have, I have as much time as you <laughs> well, do. I could go on for this like five <laughs> hours. So I think one thing that's put us into this, like not a problem, but this dilemma in paintball is that the X-Ball players have gotten so good, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. you're 10 times the player you were 12 years ago, right? The, the talent level is so high, not just the pros, but the divisional level. The mistakes level. aren't there anymore. Right. So people that go from playing rental guns with Titmans at Toledo under paintball going bang, 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 like a bachelor party, <laughs> yeah. to get to playing the tournaments at the NXL is ridiculous. Right? That gap is 500 miles long. Right? Yeah. And whereas before, when you started, and think about your own experience, when you started playing with your buddies, right, and then you started working at Toledo Indoor or whatever, you go play some three-man tournaments, you could go play at Warzone or whatever and go play some some easy events in the woods or on the big school fields, and then you move up to the airball fields or the hyperball fields, and there are these transitions in paintball mm-hmm. like this, right? Whereas now it's like you go from here straight to here. Right. And some people can't make that climb or they hit this wall before they make the climb and they go, screw that, I'm done. So yeah. the conversion rate that we get from the rental players to the experienced players isn't the rate that it should be, right? And these guys over here comprise a lot of gross sales. They comprise the growth of tournament paintball. So we need this like little middle ground right, right. here that used to exist, right? I mean, those local events don't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was, again, my proposal in regards to the Iron City Classic is it's like there's this opportunity for people, whether young, middle, or old, it appeals to those three target demographics, which is the whole spectrum. Yeah to come in and play competitive paintball, to shoot at each other with something on the line in a team. And then that can help you develop and keep that desire going. Um, and that's one thing I think the UWL's done, right? I mean, they provided an outlet that was different than what we play, but in a tournament aspect. Like, they're one of the last remaining guys that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just, as an industry, have to support more of those things, which may be, like you're saying, at SC Village. SC Village has a seven-man tournament, a five-man tournament, or ten-man tournament in the woods. And you say, hey, 2,000 people that are here playing walk-on, you could go do that. And then the mm-hmm. guys will go and they go, 
that's not that bad. But yeah. when those guys look over and they see Carl Markowski running down, you know, Oliver Lang on the airball field, they go, fuck that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. a significant level of athleticism, talent, skill that just almost deters people. Right. So we just got to come up with a middle ground between that. Well, and I think that's why I preach all the time that, you know, it's, it's the tournament players that are playing at these local fields to really, you know, you know, perform and try and bring these other players in and, and be as comforting as possible to these to these new players and these players wanting to get into the tournament scene because you are the ones that are going to make or break that experience for that player coming on. So right. I, I'm always trying to tell people, you know, hey, be the best you can be on, on getting people, pretty much recruiting people to come play this side of the sport. Right. I mean, that's of course, yeah. I mean, that's like there's a rule of ten, right? For every one of us that's competitive, we probably can tell ten people about why they should play paintball, right? right? And so, as long as we can provide a good experience for all those people, whether it's beginner, you know, some guy getting into paintball that's got his own, you know, you know, shocker or axe or whatever that wants to get more involved with it, helping them find teams or fields, like that's our responsibility. But you know, in a greater grand scheme of things, we have to be provided someplace where we can reference them to go, not just fields, yeah. but in regards to goals of the game. So what do you think about all the, the pro teams and not necessarily the teams themselves, but the players? Like, where do you see the professional player in five years? Do you see them all getting paid? Do you see no, some kind of, do you see some kind of incentive for the professional player besides no. you know, getting travel paid for and gear paid for? No, I don't actually. It's going to get worse before it gets better, which is kind of sad in a way. I mean, the reality is we have too many pro teams. Um, there's a gap probably between the eighth and ninth team to the tenth and eleventh, and there's a big gap between the thirteenth and the fourteenth. And I don't know if we can, as an industry, sustain all of those. But you know, I, I think the sponsorship is going to get worse before it gets better, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is a whole long conversation. What's happening now is that the industry isn't getting the players to go from rental player, which there's a ton of them. Like, what's that? That big game out in the Poconos gets five thousand people, right? That's yeah. bigger than the World Cup. Mm-hmm. But we're not getting those guys to go to the tournament paintball side enough. It's not happening fast enough. We're losing sometimes more than we're getting, right? Mm-hmm. Where it should always be more coming in than leaving. Um, so it's making the manufacturers question where they put the sponsorship, which in the 90s, I just talked to Todd Adams, who was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He's like, in the 90s, it was crazy, the amount of sponsorship, because there's so many tournament players coming in to paintball, right, back in the 90s that, that the industry was like, God, we got to have – something for these guys to look up to and someone for them to aspire to be because there's so many people coming in they got to keep moving up the pipeline um that they were getting paid and everything was was a full ride for almost every pro team. see but i feel like that's the difference though right of, of back then you saw the magazines and if you went to the tournaments you saw these guys so it was it was it was a rare occurrence that you saw them so it was kind of like awe-inspiring when you did see them or anything but right. now i feel like with because you know because we're not media. yeah with, sh- with social media and everything we can hype ourselves up but we're still not getting paid for that. And then and then no, on top it, of that, it's like we're not signing contracts. Uh, right. You know, anybody could use uh, my face as far as sponsors go. It's like I don't have any kind of contract, but there's, right. you know, there's sponsors that are possibly making money off of my face or whatever. I'm not saying they are. But right. we, we have no the, – the, the average pro player has no – way to make any kind of money unless you do the social media thing or you do clinics or you do this kind of thing it's that's the right. tough part of about being a pro player 
Right, and it is hard because it, the reality is, and, I, and I, I, it's tough because I wear both hats, right? I wear this player hat that says, hey, I want to make $5 million a year, whatever, whatever, pay me more and more. And then I wear this industry hat that says the reality about the whole thing is that p- the players have to be able to convert to sales. So if I give you, Carl Markowski, three guns, you need to be able to probably sell me 10. If you're not selling 10 guns for those three that I give you, it's, it's not worthwhile. And that, again, goes back to that conversion of how do you call somebody like um, WDP because just because they're gone, so no one gets angry if I use them. So let's say, how do you call WDP and say, hey, me and Carl made a, a new team, right? The, the, the Toledo Pumpers, and we want to get 100 guns to make our team go. Back in the day, they'd be like, oh, yeah. 100% because mm-hmm. these guys are going to go play in the local fields. They'll go around here, all these tournaments, and they'll sell 300 guns. But now if I give you 100 guns, I'm not sure if that's going to equate to 100 sales. Right. Even. So at best, I'm break even. Like that's, that's the unfortunate discussion that's happened in the industry because the pipeline of new tournament players isn't big enough. Yeah, you're almost hoping as, an, as someone in the industry, you're almost hoping that because they're going to do their own marketing, if anything. Mm-hmm. So it's you know they are in control of themselves in the marketing side of it because of social media so i mean there is but that's not that's the thing it's not the dealings with the player itself it's the dealings with the team's contract you know it's it's the team owners that have contracts with these uh, and they're not that big honestly i can pretty much tell you what every team gets is just not it's not there right now right and you want to get that we have to get growth and to get growth i still think we have to have eventually some other alternatives to the game to create growth or we have to have a fundamental change because we're not on a decline. I think we're, 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 especially after the recession, right? As an industry, mm-hmm. I think we're, we've, we've been up, right? I mean, with the, the recent year, the industry's probably up. But, uh, you know, we got to get some big, big spikes. Like back in 05, it was unreal how big turn paintball was. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I remember I just moved there to work at Smart Parts, and we would count guns that we sold by the pallet. <laughs> oh, we sold five today, right? And you know, you go to some gun manufacturer, they sell ten guns a day. Or, oh, great, that's like ten thousand dollars sales. That's a good day, whatever. Yeah. We were like, oh, we sold five. No, that was five pallets of guns. Like that was like, oh, that was like two hundred guns out the door today. Three hundred, like five hundred. The the ion, we were selling thousands of them sometimes in a day. Yeah. Right. The industry was just booming, and uh, combination of recession. I think maybe people got tired of tournaments. Uh, we have more things to compete with, right? Video games are unreal now. Um, yeah. Airsoft has gotten big. Uh, things like the Tough Mudders, just all these CrossFit, all these alternatives for outdoors competitive people have popped up that that are actually competitors to our industry. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. tough spot. We're still trying to fight, and that's what sucks is like we're still almost trying to fight for that extreme sport spotlight almost. Yeah. So, and that's my thing is I say, you know what? Let's screw TV. Let's screw webcast. Let's just try to make the tournament experience as fun as possible for everybody that comes through the door, not just the Tim and the Carls that are in the 1% that play pro, mm. but for the 99.99% of people that ever pick up a paintball gun, let's make the whole experience from beginning to the time that they retire as much as fun as possible. Yeah. Grow from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And once I mean, we do that, we'll have to pay notice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I only made $500,000 last year. And I'm short year, dude. Sorry, man. Dude, you tough times, dude. I don't know how you're living. It's terrible. It's terrible, dude. Dude, That's clown money. Dude, I I was watching, um, I keep watching these uh, video clips, these Showtime video clips of the McGregor uh, Mayweather fight and all this other bullshit. It's unreal unreal how much money those guys are making. Dude, it's, they, dude, he can, they can walk in there and both knock each other out and just both fall down and they're still getting paid. And it's like, I think, I think Mayweather's making like $220 million. (laughs) 
Can you believe that? $220 million? I will let you beat me up with a lead pipe in the face for $220 million. Dude, that's the thing. It's like, I, I bet there's people going over to uh, to Mayweather and be like, man, you know, what if he does beat you up or whatever? I'm like, I could give a shit about my pride, about my legacy. If I go 49-1, and one, dude, $220 million will yeah. buy my pride for me. Like, yeah. it's crazy. It's right? crazy. Yeah. And even McGregor, so that, like, he, won't have to, he won't have to fight after this. If he doesn't want no, to. Not, yeah, not if he wants to. I mean, guys like that, I mean, you don't get there by doing that, by doing it for the money, right? They do it because it, it is about the pride. The only way I think you get to do that is because of your pride. So, do you but think yeah, that's I what agree. It is, though? I mean, would they, would they, would they still be doing this for $10 million? Yeah. You, you, I mean, that's what McGregor, I mean, look at what You think McGregor Mayweather would, though? Um, if he had never made the 51st or the 101st and it was $10 million a fight, oh, yeah. Right. That's he didn't get into boxing because he was making ten million dollars. He got into boxing probably because right. he loved it. I mean, I just can't think of too many guys that reached the elite level of whatever they do that went through all the bullshit amateur stuff. Doesn't matter if you're playing baseball, football, basketball, hockey, boxing, you got it because you loved it. And then one day a paycheck came about. Mm-hmm. You know, granted you and I are probably still waiting for those big paychecks, but we still love it. And I guarantee yeah. there's still some adoration that Mayweather has for boxing. And if it if he lost this fight, I bet that if you went back to him and said, hey, you can have the $220 million and lose the fight or nothing and have said you want it, he'd probably say he'd rather want it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just I, – I, I, I don't know him, so I'm not going to pretend to. But, yeah. I mean, I know how I – if it was Carl, you could win – you could have $5,000 or $10,000 and you lose Chicago. Or you could get nothing and you win Chicago. I mean, winning fun. Of course. <laughs> that's – I mean, at, at, at our age, dude – Five thousand dollars, ten thousand, whatever the prize package is now. Mm-hmm. I take the win all day, dude. The money, I'll earn it back. But those wins, you you won't get those. See, but that's what that's what sucks. It's like, you know, some in all the bigger guys, all the more professionals, and all these other sports, they're getting paid regardless. That's that's right. what sucks. Like with us, um, you know, there's some guys out there that aren't, you know, so well off. You know, right. that 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 maybe I, I don't want to say that they're counting on the money from the winnings. Or the money from selling gear, or something like that. But it's like they're they're still not really they're working their nine to five forty thousand dollars a year job, and it's it's this whole exaggerated hobby thing that we're doing mm-hmm. is just for fun. But right, the kids growing up are they, are they wanting to play pro just for fun? I mean, we're obviously saying that there's no money in it if you're going to want to play pro, but. You know, I, I feel I don't know. It just sucks. I mean, I mean you didn't you didn't start playing years. for the money. I mean, you didn't start playing for the money. You no, I don't think you... any I don't think anybody does as far as you know any any sport. But for you look at all these other sports and things that people have been doing for you know years and years, blood, sweat, and tears, broken bones, time, all this shit, and then we just so happen to pick the sport. If you choose to just play <laughs> the the sports side yeah. of it, we that, pick the worst one. <laughs> the one that doesn't pay for shit. It'll pay for a flight and some gear. But if you want to make a living off it, you got to do what you do and, you know, go to that industrial side. Right. Yeah, I mean, you just do it because you love it. And I, I know there's no bullshit to it. There's no, you know, crystal ball what the future is. But right now, my only advice, and people go, like, what, what do I got to do to be pro? What do I do this? So you got to be committed to just loving it. There's going to be some yeah. tough times, some good times, and if you don't really love it, then just stay Division Two and party with your buddies and whatever. But you know, everybody that's pro now is doing it because they love it, and I, I, you know, don't hold your breath for the money. And if the money never comes, I'm fine. I don't care. You know, I would have yeah. liked it. I mean, and I made some money. Don't get me wrong. We all, we both made some money playing paintball, but mm-hmm. in a grand scheme of things, you know, keep your day job. 
Yeah, yeah, that, and that's what sucks. I mean, look at every sports sport did that, right? Football, right? The guys in the off season were like janitors, and back in like the early 1900s or whatever, the the 40s and stuff. And that's, dude, they would go play. They would play football on Sunday, and then go uh, lay brick on Monday. Yeah. You know, Monday yeah. through Friday. Yeah. That's how it should be. That's that's. I was watching another um, on HBO. Uh, what is it? The Hard Knocks with the the Buccaneers this year, or whatever. Just watching that and like, holy. F- Fuck, dude! How much money these guys are making? It's and unreal, right? It is unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it was like, um, what was it? Which one was I watching? I was watching the, I think it was the draft, some of the draft, like last year, or the year before, or whatever. When uh, Ezekiel Elliott from Ohio State went to yep. Dallas, yep. like his sign-on bonus or some bullshit or whatever the fuck it was, his rookie sign-on bonus, like like ninety million or I don't know what it was, but it was yeah. a lot of money. It's crazy, and then the lifestyle of the lifestyle of being a college football player, and then signing a contract for millions of dollars. I can't. I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I would love to know that experience of that just yeah, lifestyle change. It's crazy. I mean, the, the amount of money in sports is unreal. So, you know, I mean, I guess that kind of always makes me feel good, like hoping that, like, not me personally, but maybe some of that comes to our industry. You know, like, probably like mm-hmm. what one guy makes, like James Harden, right? You know, for the basketball player from the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Makes like forty-five million dollars a year, not counting endorsements. If we took forty-five million dollars and injected it into our industry, we'd have a whole new ball game. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like the amount of money yeah. these guys make, like you're saying, is unreal. Yeah, I mean, what what do you see as far as you know? You don't have to give away any secrets of what you guys, as as far as DLX or anybody's working on. Uh, what do you see in the future as far as the equipment goes? Do you see anything changing or anything? Mm, probably. So this is a tough one, too, because I think the game's rate of fire is going to get slower over time, um, which is crazy because we used to play, like, unlimited rate of fire, like, blow each other up. Semi-auto was great. uh, Yeah, you know, but I I think it's going to get slower only to help ease that gap between, you know, newer players and turn players. Um, So I think it'll get slower. This is just my own personal prediction. Right. But if it gets slower, right, then the manufacturers have to start focusing on how smooth a gun shoots or the efficiency of a gun or the quality manufacturing of it, you know, how durable it is. And so from a hard goods manufacturer, that's probably going to be the focus in the next four years. Are you going to see more uh, more loaders, loaders coming out since they're not going to have to feed 30 balls a second anymore? Um, I don't know. I mean, they, every time I, I'm like, okay, the loaders are never going to get any better. Something comes out that's better. You know, like when right. the Spire came out, I was like, they're never going to make it better. And they made the new one and, and it never jams. You know I mean, you, right. you, there's some little thing that they do that makes it significantly better. And I remember when I had my Shocker SFT and we won the World Cup and I remember playing with it, holding it, I go, this is the best gun. It'll never get any better. And then the <laughs> Lux came out. Yeah. And it just changed the whole high-end game, right? So, you know. Never say never, and if I had the idea, I'd, I'd probably not tell it to you anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I, I respect that. Um, you know, and, and I'm actually thinking that now. I'm like, and I think everybody does with like electronics, with paintball, with with anything. It's like, where do you go from here? Um, yeah. You know, with paintball, I mean, with Planet Eclipse and DLX and Die, and I mean, what? Cause, because they're all built off of this this base of a paintball right. marker, right? It's like, and you can only you know do something so many different times it's like with look at you know the auto industry now it's all the same shit they're all standardizing now on shit like cameras and sensors and all this other stuff but it's all the same shit just bells and whistles so i i'm always wondering what are those 
now bells and whistles that are going to be attached to loaders and lights and fucking all the kinds of shit now. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure the auto manufacturers, you know, like when, when Ford made their Model T or whatever, they're like, oh, it'll never get better than this. <laughs> it's This is the best. And yeah. then the next thing comes out. I mean, there was a time when the paintball gun manufacturers thought that the blowback guns, right, the Titman style, the Sheridan style, the Spider style, that was it. They're like, oh, my God, it's semi-auto. It'll never be better than this. Right. And the electronic guns come and, you know, I'm sure when the pump guys were playing with the pumps, you know, like Marty Bush never transitioned. It took him like a whole year before he transitioned from a pump to a semi-auto. I mean, I there's just... I wish I got to see Marty Bush play. I hear so many older pros talk about Marty Bush. Like, I I wish I got to see him play. Yeah, he was, uh, he retired. Like, I, I watched him play a little bit, but he retired pretty much right when I got into tournaments. Like, super into it. He's a good player. So. Yeah, that's... But, yeah, I mean, there's always these guys that, dude, before our time were amazing. I mean, like, I wish I would have got to see, like, Daryl play more. I mean, even though I work with Daryl and he's an asshole some days, like, he was <laughs> he was a good player when I started growing up and watching. You know, he was still good then, so I can only imagine back in his heyday. Right. You know, like Shane Pastana, and, like, I, I was thankful I got to see guys like Lasoya. I mean, there's so many really good players. So, And it's a shame that, you know, they never got a paycheck or they'll never be a Hall of Fame for him. Yeah, I mean, because that's what it is in, in this sport, man. It's all about our stories and what we remember, and now what we have on tape, at least for because yeah. of the you know the webcast. But, but I mean, that's all this sport is: is it's stories, having fun with your team, with, yeah. with you know having your experiences. And I mean, like sometimes like talking about like the money and all this stuff, like is like oh, it's almost depressing. And then I say, you know, and I'm not a manic to do depressive guy. I'm usually pretty happy, so yeah. I like to just say, you know what? Who cares, right? It's fun, right? We have a, a good time. You know, me personally, I love playing the game, whether it's X-Ball, one-on-ones, in the woods. I just love it. Yeah. And as long as everyone just says, screw it, let's just play paintball and have as much fun as we can have, then we're okay. Yeah. And that's I think that's what keeps us at the level that we're at, right? Yeah, of course. Is, of you course. Know, and, and all the you know the, the good players and good teams, I think that's they're, – they're somehow finding that sweet spot of where they can be competitive, but they can have a shit ton of fun. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's a zone. fun game. It's a really, really fun game. And as long as we don't – fuck it up you know <laughs> a lot of people i hope in the next however long will enjoy it well it's a challenge man every time you step on the field it's a challenge and i think that's what's so addictive to it you, you're always there's always some kind of interaction every time you step on the field there's always some kind of gunfight some kind of hiding some kind of attacking no matter what you're doing you're engaged in the game i mean and, and to me it's the teams you know i mean i i i've been fortunate where pretty much every team i've played on i've played with a lot of friends Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's that bonding experience of even though we were complaining about it earlier and you know just all the other shit the practices and, and all the grind that goes into it you do it with your friends and your teammates and that's that's part of the addiction to me is like once you're done with paintball and you start doing that in the real world it's like you know it's it's cost analysis reports and uh, you know job interviews and it's just not as team oriented and that bond towards one specific common goal that has an immediate result so right right how many teams have you played for Oh God! <laughs> I was talking to John Dress with UWL, and I was like, "Man, it's crazy how people just jump around from team to team now." He's like, "Well, don't you?" And yes, yes, I am guilty of that. However, when I went to the All Americans, I thought that that were around the time I was on the All Americans. I was like, "This fusion? will be the last time." Um, so the only I actually only played one tournament with Fusion. So I played with Thunder, Detroit Thunder. Yeah. And then I played a couple seven mans with Fusion, and then I was on the All Americans. But I would have ended on the All Americans. Like I wanted to be the guy that played 20 years on one team, but the team ended. Right. So, you know, and then uh, I went to Shock, and that was an interesting experience. So, How so? The, shock that, the Shock that you were on is different probably than the Shock that I was on. 
uh, you know, it was just, I went from being on the All-Americans, and if you said practice started at 8, you were there at 7.59 playing, right? If right. it was, hey, you're going to shoot 80 cases, I knew we are going to shoot 90 cases, and we're going to play for 8 hours, we're probably going to play for 9 hours. And mm-hmm. it was organization and structure to the, to the max. And then Shock has this laid-back attitude, which works for you guys. I don't know if it's still like that. But when I was on the team seven years ago, I mean, it's like, hey, we start at 10. Yeah, that means we get there at 11. Mm-hmm playing by noon but the team made it work you know and we actually yeah. had a good year like we made the finals of the world cup um but it just i needed a little bit more structure so i ended up going to impact and the same thing happened i was like i'm going to end my career on impact and and i i really like that team like bart's the man dude like if you've ever yeah. met bart he's like the nicest guy the coolest dude in all paintball mm-hmm. and i was like this will be the last team and then i almost played you know, for them did you yeah whenever we left uh, it was, it was, uh, 2015. I, it was, it was between X Factor and, uh, uh and Impact. And yeah. Impact ended up not dropping anybody. So they right. just said they just couldn't, you know, find room. Right. Yeah. No, they're, it's a good team. I, I don't have a lot of regrets in life where you're like, oh, I regret that because you can't live like that. But, right. you know, the, the leaving Impact to go to Heat was a tough decision for me. And, uh, in hindsight, I probably should have wrote out the impact thing because it was going so well and I liked it. You know, at the end of the day, if I didn't do that, I would have ended up on damage, which I love. I love the team, I love the guys, mm-hmm. and I'm happy where I'm at. Um, you know, but there was a rough two years on Heat. It just wasn't a good fit for me. Yeah, yeah, and so. nothing against X Factor. Like that, that's a solid program too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I was glad that I got to go there and experience that. And Alex is a is a great guy, stand up yeah. dude, and. Um, you know, but it's just everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I remember that, and I felt bad because we were actually in the same boat. I think you went there when I went to, to Heat, and I know we we were both talking at one event. We're like, we're just not having fun, mm-hmm. and that ruined my play. It ruined my perspective on the game, and you know, those were tough two years. And if it wasn't for damage, you know, I don't know what I would have done because those guys put the fun back in the game for me. Did you approach them, or did they come to you? About uh, it? So I was gonna go play with another pro team. And I, I pretty much said, hey, I'm on the team. Let's just do this. And then uh, out of the blue, Jason called. What other team called, was that? Uh, another good team. It was a pretty good team. So. <laughs> but I was going to go play I with tried. them. I like, yeah, I like them, and I, I, I could have enjoyed playing with them for a long time too. Mm-hmm. But you know, the damn, Jason called me, and we've been friends for a long time since we were like teenagers. Right. And he said, hey, we got this good thing going. Come down. And I said, it just felt right. You know, Having Jason get a hold of me just felt right. And uh I said, screw it. This is it's what what's meant to be. Right. So well, that's that's it's a, that's what it is though. Paintball, you you try and find that fit, right? Yeah. You, you try and find that whole the whole time. You everyone's competitive. Everyone's doing this, but you always find that. And I think every player goes through this. You find that that wall, yeah. and you just kind of like that decision, that fork in the road of where you know, do I try and and you know that's one that's why I left. Uh, aftershock was the same reason you were talking about. It's like it was so nonchalant. I felt like I felt like Rennick wasn't in it uh, as much. I felt like Bruno wasn't in it as much. Everybody's head was just everywhere else than where I. That's felt just like who they should. are. Yeah, and it's just who they are. I mean, They're I, into it, but it's just it feels yeah, different. Yeah, and and I came back, I came back knowing that things could have changed or could not have changed. Um, right. It definitely helps that they're in Chicago, but. Dude, I know I I like the heart, the passion of the team. Um, I'm always there. Uh, you know, early. I'm always there, wanting to 
to get on the field before and do some snap shooting drills and, you know, kind of hone in on everything and, and practice as long as we can, except for Sunday, I try and at least hit the road a little bit early so I can be home at a decent time. But, uh, right. but I, I don't know, man, like, I don't think we're missing too many things on the team now. Yeah. I think we have enough. No, young I think guys you guys got that, a good squad. I think you yeah. guys have the best squad that shocks had in a long time. And, and I, I like Bruno's passion. Like I like Mike a lot. Like he, yeah. uh, I like his his approach to the game because he's got that old school fuck you mentality that I like, um, and that's why he's, I, I like him a lot because I like yeah. that. But uh, you know, I think you guys have a lot of good mix of people. I think you guys are there. You know, having Nick come, I think is is good for you guys. Yeah, um, I think Rob coming I, I, back helps too. Yeah, yeah. I think the hard part though is budgets, right? I mean, for teams, I mean, uh, we're yeah. kind of in the same boat too, where we can't always practice pro teams and we can't go wherever we want whenever we want. Mm-hmm. And that that creates some issues. That's tough. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what it's always been uh, yeah. for shock. It's just just finding pro teams to come practice us because you know we can't go everywhere. Um, you know, the most pros that we actually get the players whenever the Chicago event comes around. And yeah, like you guys came to Florida this winter, which was crazy. I couldn't believe you guys came down there for that. Uh, dude, that was fun. That was real fun. Yeah, I'm glad you guys. Came down. It was good practice. I hope we get to do that, you know, maybe towards or even before World Cup or, you know, next year. I'd, I'd love to come down and do that. I think it helped us all a ton. Yeah. Yeah. That was good practice. Like um, back in the day, like back in 03, 04, Shock used to go to Florida every weekend during the winter when X-Ball first started. It was it was crazy how often they were down there. Well, that shows you the budget of back then too. Yeah. Everyone went to Todd Adams Fields, Adamson's Field, right? Because he was on Shock and he owned a field in Fort Myers, and they were down there every weekend. Yeah, it was crazy. Nice. Yeah, talking about it. Well, dude, yeah. I I could sit here and talk for hours with you and everything, <laughs> but um, uh, I I definitely want to get with you again, probably sometime at a tournament, maybe even cup or something like that. But yeah, uh, sure. because I want to I, I want to dig a little bit more, kind of into your in your past and and where you came from and your position on, on some of these teams that you came through. But, uh, but dude, I appreciate you sitting down with me. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And, uh, I will, uh, talk to you real, real, real soon here. Chicago. What? Yeah. I'll see you in yeah, like 10 days. Yeah. All right, man. <laughs> we'll crazy. take care. Yeah, dude, I do. Right. I love it though. I, I love every second of it. Yeah. No, me too, dude. I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to come on here too. Thanks man. Well, I will see you soon. Way to be microwave. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dude. I still have, I still have that, uh, <laughs> Uh, I think actually you sent it to me. It was a picture where I was wearing like this this jacket or like this this overcoat thing, and then you were like super young, and I, I forget where it was though. Dude, I it's crazy, it's... and I'm happy for it because it's crazy to see how far you've come. Because I remember when you used to rough at Toledo Indoor, and you had all the acne and stuff, and, <laughs> and you were playing. And everyone was like, "Oh, that's a kid that's really fast." I'm like, "Who the fuck is that guy?" You know what I mean? And to see how far you've got is really cool. I was so I was so self conscious back then, like, and even playing wise, and even around my friends, I was so self conscious, and the acne didn't help for sure. And <laughs> no, I was doing that big fight. I just remember how young you were, right? I mean, you were so young. Well, yeah, the, it's it is crazy to see how you know, especially where we came from. Like paintball yeah. wasn't really that big where we were, and yeah. being able to find that area with Tipman effect, and then coming through. And then being where we at, where we're at now, you know, yeah. it's, it's just crazy to see that. Right, life, life is funny, right? That you end up in this exact situation yeah. after all these decisions still lead you here. Yeah, fuck, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't trade it for anything though, man. Yeah, I hear, you, dude. I was actually looking. I still have scars from Toledo Indoor. <laughs> dude, I I remember one time. Uh, it was definitely when all the dirt turned to concrete. 
and strategy up blew like one time i blew my knee out and just swelled up and that was back before i started wearing knee pads and elbow pads and all that shit and Back then, only, only girls wore the knee pads and elbow pads, dude. <laughs> now it's the first thing I put on. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah this, I can't put my pants on. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, we need to have a beer soon. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Do I'm more about of to have this. Myself, but let's have a beer soon. Hell yeah, bud. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Later, Carl. See you, bud. Man, that one went in all kinds of directions, but <laughs> we, we kind of got to learn a little bit about his uh, his past and his career coming up, but um, he's he's everywhere. He's all over the place. He's, he has a really solid head on his shoulders, too, um, not just because he's a really good friend of mine, but I, I think he has a positive outlook for, you know, what tournament paintball should be, and if it's just the... You know, if it ends up just being the experience, then let's make it the best experience that uh, that we can make. And I think that's a really good way to to look at it. You know, we've tried all these different things, but uh, if if we can't make it great for everybody else, let's make it great for us. So, uh, thank you so much, Tim, for sitting down. I had a really good time, and you know, I really look forward to uh, to seeing you at the at the events and hopefully some players parties. Uh, you know, if they ever start doing those again and you know, having a beer at one of those and chit-chatting about more paintball stuff. Uh, another quick thank you to our sponsors, Planet Eclipse. Uh, PlanetEclipse.com. You can find all the goods over there. Soft goods, guns. Well, I don't want to say guns. I'm trying not to say guns. I'm trying to say markers. So it's a little bit more friendly to, you know, because whenever people say guns, they're like, eh, there's a gun is such a, like, a harsh, straight word. But everybody says it. But I'm trying to say markers now. So... They have markers over there at Planet Eclipse, um, and preferably for me, the LVR. So make sure you check them out. Also, a thank you goes to Charm City Paintball, the uh, the manufacturer of some pretty slick headgear, uh, head wraps, headbands, and I think he's working on something else. Oh yeah, that's right. He's working on some pack bands for myself, uh, some custom pack bands just made strictly for your pack like just like the one that you see me wearing um, out there on the field I'm going to be making some of those they're a little bit thinner than a normal headband as far as width goes uh, it won't have the cotton cloth back um, or the washcloth ba cloth back or whatever you want to call it uh, but they're gonna be for me strictly for the pack band so make sure you check them out uh, I'll have some in Chicago which is in a few weeks but uh, thank you to Charm City Paintball. And lastly, to Raza Life, where you can customize anything you want on anything that you want. Shorts, tank tops, jerseys, pants. He has it all over at RazaLife.com. And remember, if you type in capital T-P-O-P at checkout, you can get a sweet 19% off discount. That's another one. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Remember, if you want to look me up on social media, I am on Facebook at Carl Microwave Markowski. Uh, you can also find the Playing on Podcast on Facebook. And then over on Instagram, my name is C. Mark Kizzle. And uh, the, Playing on, the Playing on Podcast is also on Instagram. I need to post more on that Instagram, though. And uh, make sure to keep an eye out for uh, CarlMarkowski.com. I am slowly but surely getting that thing together. Um, don't look right now because it's not, <laughs> I haven't really launched it yet, but, uh, but she is coming. We'll have blogs, videos, 
um, insight, all kinds of crazy stuff. But uh, make sure to keep an eye out. But thank you again, everybody, for joining me on the Playing Out Podcast. We'll see you soon.